Well, let's spend some time taking a look here in the Word of God here this morning. Last week we talked about the uh, walk of love. That the enemy has a ditch on one side and a ditch on the other side. That he tries to get us into. One side is self-seeking. One side is self-denial. We've got to stay on the side or in the, the part in the middle. The part of love. That's the part that's God-focused. The parts in the, on the ditch on either side are self-focused. But we can stay on the, on the side of being God-focused. We looked at Samson. How at first he grew into things of God, though the Word of God doesn't cover that time period too much. He spends more of the time of when he was selfish. But the anointing in his life hit a certain level. And it didn't go above that because he stopped pursuing the things of God and he pursued the things of self. If you're up on Facebook today, I put this question out for us. How do unselfish people become selfish? How do we go from being a place of, of not being selfish to a place of being mindful of the things of the self? How does that happen? So we're going to take a look at some scriptures here in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Now, this is not the only time that the disciples claimed that they would die for their Savior. Remember when Lazarus was sick and the call was to go back? When Jesus said, no, we're going to go back, and they all went back with him. Remember the words of the disciples? Well, let's go and die with them. They were expecting to die. They were going on a journey and they didn't expect to return from. And they had families. They had people they were leaving behind. But they still went with him. Went with him. So to say this is just a claim, it's not a claim. This is something they firmly believed. When Peter makes this claim, he firmly believes there is nothing that is too important in my life that I would not lay it down for you. Just as they had before in the incident with Lazarus. We called this one, after further review, how many of you have watched a sporting event and the referees have reviewed, you know, football started that out and, and then they started to put, bring it into other sports too. I think baseball picked it up and, and uh, uh, hockey even. They have times you can review a play and ask them to go over the slow motion video and, and check it out and make sure it was right. And so then the referee comes out and he goes, after further review, and he says the play stands or it was not a catch or it was a fumble or it was not a touchdown or whatever it might be. They come on up and they reverse the call. Uh, one way They go one way or the other on the thing. But that's after further review. And sometimes we fall into the same problem in that we think we are ready to be unselfish. I think I am ready to go in a certain direction. But then all of a sudden, after further review, I decided I wasn't quite ready for that. I wasn't quite ready to go there. And Peter makes this, this statement when Jesus says, look, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He says, oh, no, no, everybody else might deny you, not me. I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die for you. I'm, I'm ready. I'm not going to chicken out of this. This is the direction we're going to go. Well, later on here in verse 59 of the same chapter, then after an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. And that was the final time. There were two times before that. And uh, one time, the word of God even tells us that he cussed. He was cussed. I'm going to show them. I'm not, I'm not going to talk like a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going, to, I'm going to cuss and do that. And you know, even the world today, if you are a believer, if you go to church and they hear cuss words come out of your mouth, what do they say? I mean, non-believers. What are you doing talking like that? They don't expect that out of someone who follows God. And they shouldn't. We shouldn't speak like that. Our conversation should be cleansed. And we shouldn't have those kind of things coming out. But he did. He says, I'm going to make sure that they know. So apparently, he knew how to cuss, but um, chose not to do it. Now, I don't know if that means that he used to be one 
who would go around cussing and then quit. Or if he just heard other people who did, because, you know, they say fishermen have, you know, not the nicest of mouths. And I don't know which way that it is, but we get up to heaven, we can ask Peter. And I'm sure he'll tell us. But this is, this is what he did. This is the direction he went. This is, this is how he was going on to, to show people that. Now, there are some words that just don't come out of your mouth well. And you've said them, I and it kind of just down on the inside of you. It didn't settle right. And surely that's going to be the case when we have uh, words of anger, words of hate. Have you ever said something negative about somebody and say, oh, I can't stand that person. And just down in your spirit, you can feel something. Something's not right. And I remember Brother Hagin used to talk about uh, this, this one woman came up in a prayer line. And as they were talking to her, he was uh, ministering in, on the area of love with, with this particular one. And she came to admit, and I forget all the, the things went before, but he came to admit that I hate my mother-in-law. That's what she said. And you know, that's not good if you walk in and hate to, um, to be walking into the things of God. And it had kept her bound up. And you've heard the Bible talk about that before. Unforgiveness can, um, can keep your prayers from being answered. Doesn't matter if you were right. Doesn't matter if you were wrong. Makes no difference. If you have that unforgiveness, it can keep you from having your prayers answered. And so we don't want to do that. And so he's, he, after she said this, she said, um, he said, no, you don't. He said, well, yes, I do. He says, no, you don't. And he, uh, he told her, he says, I want you to say that again. And she says, I hate my mother-in-law. And she says, down here, did that do something to you? She said, yeah, it's all turning around inside. He said, that's because the Spirit of God doesn't agree with what's going on. And he began to tell, coach her and to tell her how she ought to change her conversation about that. And, and uh, that situation got turned around. It's been a while since I heard him tell that story, so I'm probably a little sketchy on some of the details. But things like this, they can come out of our mouth. And uh, we should not uh, be saying this. People can just say out of their mouth, I hate you. We were over here at practice on Thursday night, and I had uh, we were gathering up some things, and, and uh, you know some of the folks like to sit in here and talk, so they were in here talking, and I was going around gathering. I took one load out to the car, and I was putting it into the car, and there was a person who pulled into the parking lot, parked right next to where mine was, about uh, you know just one, one car over, having this conversation on the phone. And every sentence had at least one cuss word in it. Everyone. And generally, they were uh, directed against the person that they were talking about. Now, not the person they were talking to, but the one they were talking about. They were talking to this person about someone else and then constantly I was having this coming out of their mouth. And I thought, oh, man. That is... Could you... I just thought to myself, could you imagine living with that? I, I, I wouldn't want to live with that. And then later on, uh, Nikolai and I, were, we were both going carrying stuff out to the car. And, um, and then... She was still out there, still having this conversation. Oh, it was a she, yeah. And so I, I told Nikolai, I says, uh, something along the line, uh, can you imagine having all that inside yourself all, all week long? And he said, no, I couldn't imagine that either, at all. But uh, all the, the terrible things that people are, are going through and just don't realize it because they're, they're walking in that way. I think I told you this story before, but I was a um, number of months ago, maybe in a year ago or something like that, I was going to the bank and there's this particular teller that's in there and I knew her and she knew me and, you know, a lot, a lot of tellers take that, that kind of personal, uh, thing that as soon as you pull up, you know, they, they know who you are. And, uh, this particular one was, uh, probably head and shoulders above everybody else who had, who had done this. And so every time I came on through, you know, the, there she was and she's usually very chipper, very, very charming. And this particular time, she just looked a little tired or a little down. And so I just uh, mentioned to her, says, hey, you look like you're having a, um, a down day or a tough day or something like that. I, I mentioned to her and she says, oh, that customer who was here just pulled out all oh, the, the words out of his mouth and the things that he was saying to me. And I just thought, you are the one of the most charming, sweet persons that I know of at this bank. How could anyone be that, be that way with you? And, but they, they were and it just got her way down and she just was, was uh, sad in her, in her face and, and uh, so the, 
this kind of came up in my spirit to, to speak to her. I says, well, you just think of it this way. You only had to deal with him a few minutes out of the day. He has to live with himself all the time. <laughs> and all of a sudden, her face perked up, and she goes, oh, I didn't think about that. That's true. But you see, when you, when you let your life go in that kind of a direction, where uh, hateful things, anger things come out of your mouth, um, cuss words come out of your mouth, it changes what's on the inside. And you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you, you keep things going in the direction God has. So Peter, just to make sure that he could preserve his life so that he wouldn't be hauled up where Jesus was, he even started cussing, but denying that, that Jesus was his Lord, that he was a disciple of Jesus. Can you imagine that? In just a few hours, you go from a place, I'm ready to die for you. I'll go to prison. I'll die. I'm ready. In just a few hours, denial, not once, not twice, three different times. Now, if Jesus had just said to you, you're going to deny me three times, and you denied him on the first time, what are you going to be thinking about? Oh, man, Jesus just said I would do that. And I said I wouldn't do it. And how many of you get more resolved the next time? I'm not going to. But the next time came, and he did it again. And he's got to be thinking, what's going on with me? Why am I not standing up? I want to, but I'm not. And this is the direction I'm going. Even to the point of cussing. So he's first willing to give it all up for God. But something changed. And here's one of the reasons. Here's the first reason I give you for why people go from being selfish or unselfish to being selfish. And understand this. You don't just have to be born again to be unselfish. How many of you know people that are in the world that are very unselfish. Very, very giving, very caring, very unselfish. Not born again. That's just who they are. They're just very unselfish. And But then we also know some people that are in the church that are very selfish. So it's not just a born again thing. You know, being born, born again certainly helps. It, it can, you, you follow after God's plan, you'll become into a, a whole other level of unselfish that you, that you need to be that way for Him. But anyway, here's the first reason. I might lose something I want. I might lose something that I want. Now think of it this way. How many times have you ever had something in your possession and you just looked at it casually and said, well, you know, it's, it's okay. I'll give you an example of it. Maybe you had a special penny and the penny just looked funny. looked different. And so you just kind of kept that penny, but it just was a funny looking penny. And then all of a sudden, somebody who knows something saw that penny. Said, Can I see that penny for a minute? And they looked at that penny. Oh, oh, do you know what you have here? It's a penny. I mean, it looks a little funny compared to other pennies, but oh, no, no, no. You got an old penny that was made defective at the mint. And there are only 15 of these defective pennies known to be out there. They made a lot more, but they've been, uh, they've gone through, you know, some of them were destroyed, they got some of them and they destroyed some of them, but there were still 15 of them left out there in circulation. And you've got one. He may say, I don't know exactly what that's worth, but I'll tell you right now, it's worth somewhere between uh, five and $10,000. Well, all of a sudden, that penny that you weren't all that keen on just thought it was a cute little penny. Now, all of a sudden, what? You have reevaluated what you're going to do with that penny. See, before I didn't know that I wanted all that much, but now all of a sudden, I want it. See, I might lose something that I want. And in order to protect it, I become selfish. I go on, on this side. Because where we're supposed to be is down the middle of the road, walking in love. But there's a ditch to the left, there's a ditch to the right. On one side is selfishness, on the other side is self-denial. And both are wrong. So if you're driving on down the middle of the road, the enemy is going to come along, he's going to try and hit you from one side and try and push you into the ditch on the other side. And if that don't work, 
He may try and hit you from the other side and push you over the ditch on the other side. And all the time you're going on down, you're constantly being hit. This side, that side, this side, that side, trying to get you off in a, in a bad direction. That's what the enemy's going to try and do. And so he's going to try and get your focus, that thing you were willing to give up, that life of yours you were willing to give up. Now suddenly he's made it seem more valuable. He made it, makes it seem like, no, I, I, don't, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to lay my life down. I want to stay alive for, for a little while. And we begin to hang on to what we before we're ready to, to write off. Now what are some of the things we change our mind on after further examination? After taking a closer, closer look on these things. Well, I've checked this stuff out. And um, I just made a list of three things. I'm sure you can find some other things you can put in this list. But, you know, we can just go on forever on things that you might want to review. But I put the first one was obedience. How many of you have ever obeyed something in the Word of God because you, you, you knew to obey it? It was a good thing to obey it. And you've obeyed it. But then all of a sudden, something came in and said, hmm, you've reevaluated. I've been obedient to that, but I'm not so sure if I want to be obedient to that anymore. Um, disobedience to that looks pretty good. You know, how do people fall into adultery? I mean, when they got married, they gave that up. I'm going to obey the marriage vows. I'm going to be faithful to you. This is the direction I'm going to go. But then all of a sudden, somebody came along. Maybe they didn't think it was possible. Maybe they didn't think anybody was attractive enough, whatever it might be. All of a sudden, they're reevaluating that. I've obeyed this, but do I really want to continue and obey this? Ever heard of situational ethics? You know, they try and teach you that in school, give you reasons for why you ought to go against it. And they'll give you real hardship cases, you know. They're trying to, uh, this family, husband goes out and he steals something because they have no food and they have no uh, rent money or electric money. And was that wrong? Trying to give you a situation where you'll say, oh, he, he has the right to go out there and to, to do that. No, what you ought to do is just trust God. But you see, the, de- the devil wants to get you to, to reevaluate that. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden. God says, don't eat from the tree in the center. And they were okay with that, weren't they? We got all these other trees, we'll eat from those. Until all of a sudden somebody came along and made them reevaluate. And after further review, we decided that the tree is good for food. And so we're going to go ahead and eat of this tree. Because you see, we went back. We made a call. We're not going to eat from the tree. But now, I think, um, I think I want to throw the red flag on this one. Let's, let's go back to the videotape. Should we continue with that? And after further review, some people decide that their obedience to a certain thing uh, isn't important. And you've seen this with Christians. How many times have you seen Christians are in church every Sunday? They're in church every time that the doors are open and then all of a sudden something happens in their life and what, what goes on? Well, they're not quite in church all the time anymore. Other things are, are coming up, being more important. Now, not going to church doesn't save you, but the Word of God does say it's a good thing to do. Some people, when they're out there, they're reading the Bible all the time, praying all the time. But then... You go up and you ask him, said, did you read your, been reading your Bible? Well, no, I haven't been doing that in a while. Been praying to God? No, I haven't been, um, haven't been going that direction. See, after further review, they stopped doing something they knew they were supposed to do, obedience to the Word, and went another, another way. Here's the second one, direction. God has given you a direction. I want you to take this job. I want you to go this direction. I want you to do this particular thing. And then all of a sudden something comes along. And after further review, we decided what God said, ah, I can go do something else. I'm going to go in a different direction. God told me to go out there and do this, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I think God is leading me another way. 
after further review. Here's a third one. Kindness. How many of you had somebody in your life? Think of somebody in particular you are very kind to, you are very nice to, you are very encouraging to. Every time you saw them, you encouraged them. Every time you saw them, you spoke nice things to them. And then some things began to happen. They weren't as receptive to you. They were nasty to you. Things changed. And all of a sudden, the kindness that you were showing to them, uh, you didn't want to do it anymore. I don't want to be kind to that person anymore. I want to be nasty. I want to be as nasty to them as they are to me. See, we, we go after further review. I was walking in love to that person, but hmm, I don't think so now. See, somehow the cost became greater than we were willing to pay. I was willing to pay that. I put three things down here for you. Either I didn't realize how much the thing cost. I remember Jesse DePlanis, he was telling this story in a time we were listening to him that um, I, I think it was Brother Jerry Savell. Uh, he was in town with him and he, he told Jesse, he says, you need to go shirt shopping. And so he t- I said, I got this great, great place to go shop for shirts. Anybody ever hear him tell this story? Mm. All right. So Daryl is the only one who's, who's heard it. I may get some details wrong because it was years ago I heard him tell this story. But he says, uh, let's go shirt shopping. I got this great place to take you to for shirts. And so he got on out there and he said, wow, it was a fantastic place for shirts. And he saw all these shirts in there and all these different colors and all these different styles. You can get the French cuffs. You can get the different kind of collars that you wanted. You can get the different type of material that you wanted. Uh, just so many things. And he picked up about, I don't know, four, five, six different shirts, got some ties, and he took them on over and put them down on the counter, and they rang it up. And I forget, do you remember how much the total bill was? It was, it was in the thousands of dollars <laughs> for, for, these, uh, for these shirts. And so after he told him that, he goes, oh, dear Jesus. <laughs> and Jerry, he was waiting for it. And so he's just smiling and laughing. And uh, he thought that was the, the, the neatest thing. I don't, did he, he didn't walk out with all of them, did he? Yeah, I, I think he did. <laughs> I forget what he, if he walked out with any. But, um, uh, but you know, you kind of have an idea what a shirt would cost. You know, it's, um, you know, I have an idea what a shirt would cost, but I'm, when I buy a shirt, I'm over in the J.C. Penney aisle when they do buy one, get one free. <laughs> That's what my shirt should cost. And, you know, to start off with, these shirts are only in the $20 range. And then you, you know, half them, you know, it's, a, it's like 10 bucks a shirt. And then sometimes you get a $10 coupon when you buy $50 worth of shirts. And so then you get 10 bucks off of that. And so, you know, I come out of there with a bunch of shirts and not paying all that much money. I've been in other other stores and they charge about a hundred dollars a shirt. I don't buy those shirts. <laughs> I have a couple of requirements for shirts. First off, they don't cost more than a certain amount of money. Secondly, they are iron free. I will not buy a shirt that I have to iron. I hate ironing. I don't want other people to do the ironing, and I won't take it out to the dry cleaner to have them iron it. I refuse. If that shirt wrinkles, it's out. That's all there is to it. Now, I wash them, put them in the dryer in a particular, very particular way. Then, um, and as soon as that dryer is done, I put them right up on the, on the hangers and let all the wrinkles fall out. And if it fails, <laughs> that shirt is no longer in my closet. It is gone. Now, I keep shirts when, when I have a shirt. I mean, I, I've got some shirts that I've had from the time I was married. I mean, I, I can keep shirts for a long time. I know how to launder them. I know how to keep them clean. I know how to keep them around. And um, you know, we'll hang on to shirts for a long time. I don't care, you know, the, too much about the I just want a certain amount of colors. If I think, oh, I need this color. I don't care how many shirts I have. I need that color. That's just how it is. And I go out there and I try and find that particular color, but I'm not paying a certain amount of money just because it's that color. We'll, we'll wait. It's not that big a deal. We'll go out there and we'll, we'll get that another time. But that's just how, how I do it with that. And so I have settled pretty much on two brands. There are really only two brands of shirts that I, I buy. If I pick it up and it's not one of those two brands, I cannot guarantee that I won't have to iron the shirt. And so it goes back on the shelf. I don't care if I like the color or not. But there are two brands that I will buy their shirts because they are truly wrinkle free. 
There's, I've, I've gotten some before. They say wrinkle-free. They were not. <laughs> they wrinkled. And I didn't like that. So that's what we, uh, we go out there and do. But I, I generally find out how much a shirt is before I go to the, to the register. Not like Brother Jesse. <laughs> Especially after that story. Never going to the register with a shirt that I don't know how much it costs. Now, a second thing is the cost could be a, have been exaggerated. Sometimes the enemy comes in and he begins to tell you how much a thing is going to cost that God has told you to do. God has said to do this. Oh, that's going to cost you this and that's going to cost you that. And then you're going to have to pay this. And then this is going to be on top of that. But did God say to do it? You see, if God said to do it, and God said to do it. And uh, don't, don't mess with that. So either I didn't realize how much it was going to cost or the cost may have been exaggerated, and so I'm not I'm not going to pay that for this particular thing. It's just uh, that's that's been exaggerated. It's been blown up a little bit. I don't know. You, you ever, I'm sure you all get those Facebook ads. You know, every once in a while, I get a Facebook ad and they're advertising something, and you can see that oh, I, that could be useful for me. Have you ever seen that at a Facebook ad? And oh, that could be useful for me. But generally, what I do is I go over to Amazon. And I type in the same thing and see what it cost over there. Because, um, you know, one time I, I saw this particular thing and they said, you know, $25 for this thing. I don't know. It might be worthwhile. It depends on how much use I can get out of that. But went over on Amazon and they're selling them for eleven ninety five. Now, the other place had a super big 70% off sale to get to the $25 or, you know, some kind of crazy thing like that. And you go in over there and find out, oh, no, I can get it for here. But then I always go and look at the reviews. How was people on the reviews? And they said, oh, they didn't work. Oh, they broke after so long or whatever it might be. I think one of those things I was looking at was those floating lights. You ever see the, these waterproof lights they advertise? And I thought, oh, these be cool. I'll put them in the pool and let them float around. I mean, the grandkids will love them. And then when people come over from church and they had the, the, all these lights in there, it'd just really be, be really neat. And they were going to sell for for so much money. I thought, well, I don't know if I want. I don't, don't know if they're that neat. So I uh, went over on Amazon and checked it out. Sure enough, they were cheaper over there. But I was reading some of the reviews on it, and else, almost every one of them said uh, they're not waterproof. They leak. <laughs> don't leave them in the water. <laughs> they're, they're going to leak. They're going to corrode. They're going to stop working after so long. I said, oh, well, that's not something I want to get. So I just uh, walked, walked away from that, and we don't have colored lights in our, in our pool. You know, we don't do that. I was even thinking of putting them in the pond because they have these other kind of lights that they put in when we did the pond first, and they're not working all that well, and I know how much it's going to cost to fix those, and I thought, well, this might be a cheap alternative, but no, we didn't do it. But the cost could be, could be exaggerated. Just know the enemy will try and exaggerate the cost of whatever it is that God is telling you to do. Now, there is a cost to obey. There's always a cost to obey. Here's the third one, where I change my mind as to what it's worth. Well, before, that thing was worth more to me. Now, it's not worth so much. Somehow, it changed. My need for it may have changed. My desire for it may have changed. My confidence in it may have changed. And I'm not willing to, to pay as much for that. Well, sometimes God has told us, here's the thing, and here's what it's going to cost you. And um, I think, all right, we'll go ahead and do that. But then when I faced it, like Peter did, here's the, here's the thing. Somebody wants to kill you for what you're doing. Somebody wants to put you in prison for what you're doing. No. Now we'll back down off of that. So we have to be careful of this that wanting to hang on to something that we have, not wanting to give it up when God has asked us to do so. I might lose something I want will bring us, bring us into a selfish place. Luke chapter 18, verse 18. Let's look at reason number two. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. 
But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. So he is trying to obtain something. And he says, I haven't committed adultery, I haven't murdered, I haven't steal, stolen, I haven't bared false witness, honor my father and mother. He says, all these things I've kept from my youth. So Jesus said to him, you still lack one thing. Now some of, some of the gospel, one of the gospel writers put on there, Jesus had compassion on him, which means there's some genuine thing about this guy. He wasn't fake. He wasn't phony. He wasn't just trying to put on airs about this. He was true. One thing you lack. Could you imagine if God came up to us and said, Hey, Steve, you lack one thing. How many of you say, Glory to God, only one? <laughs> I'm thinking there was like 150 or something like that. Just one? Just one thing? This is great. I only lack in one thing. You still lack one thing. So all that you have and distribute to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. Now he does not make this offer to everybody. I think we talked about that before. He doesn't tell everybody to follow him. He surely hasn't told everybody to sell all and you'll have treasure in heaven. I mean, if God came up to you right now and said, sell everything you got, give it to the poor, come follow me, if he was actually here, come follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. Now, see, so you have to... Will they really have treasure in heaven? <laughs> what kind of treasure will it be? I know what I'm giving up. What am I going to get on the other side? What kind of treasure are we talking here? We might have some questions about that. We might have some things that might keep us out of that. But he does not make this to everyone. Now, after he says this, he's going to go on with the rest of the story and say it's tough for a rich man to get into heaven. And the disciples kind of picked up with that. What do you mean? What do you mean it's hard to get in heaven if you're rich? Because they, a lot of them were rich. They had businesses. They had, some, they had some money. And this is the first they heard about this. Wait a minute. Entrance is, is difficult for people that are rich? Why are we spending time following you? Why'd you call us? You know we're rich. What's up with this? He says, look, we left all that. We didn't sell it. We left it. And they did. They left it. We left all that to, to follow you. And he says, no one has left sisters and brothers and mothers and so forth. Houses. No one has left all that without a reward in heaven. So they're probably saying, okay. Hmm. So here's the second reason. I might not gain what I desire. That's the reason we become selfish. If, uh, if I stay in this way and don't do what I want, do what God says to do, do what God wants, and stay unselfish, I may not get what I want to get. Hmm. That can keep me in the, the ditch on the side of being selfish. Now, what are some of the things that we change our mind on after further review? Well, one of those things I put down, and again, the list can go on. I'm only giving you a couple of them here. One of the things I wrote down here is study and prayer. We've spent time studying the Word of God. And now don't raise your hand on this, but how many have ever thought that the time you spent studying may not have brought the reward that you were thinking? I've been studying and studying. I'm still not figuring that thing out. Studying and studying. I still don't understand this. I've been praying and praying. I get up praying. I pray throughout the day. I'm not seeing a whole lot from this. I don't think I'm quite gaining what I desire. So maybe I ought to give some extra review. Go back to the videotape. And you start playing the videotape and you see yourself studying and studying and praying and praying. I'm not seeing the results that I ought to, that I have. At least that's what the devil's telling you. Maybe I ought to review this. Maybe I shouldn't be putting so much time into the study and the prayer. Hmm. I might not gain what I desire here. Here's another one. 
service and ministry. I don't think there's a person in the body of Christ who can think they haven't gone through here. I'm in service for God. I'm in ministry. I've been doing this, going after this week after week, serving people in this area, doing things in this area. And what's it gotten me? This will especially come up when people in the church where you're serving them don't receive something that you did real well. Or they begin to complain a little bit about what, uh, what was going on. And we can begin to seriously question, hmm, do I want to continue doing this service, doing this ministry? Do I want to continue to serve people in this way? I mean, look at how they speak to me. Look at how they go. We sometimes forget. We serve God by serving people. Regardless of how they treat you, you serve God by serving people. Don't let the enemy get that into your thoughts. Stand up to it. Oh, no, no. I'm going to keep on going. This is what God told me to do. I'm going to keep on doing it. I'm going to keep on going. Service and ministry. This is an area. Here's one. Tithing. How many times have the enemy thrown the red flag on us giving? Let's review this a little bit. Look at what it is that you have been given. How much has God really come back for you on that? I mean, you didn't get that promotion. You didn't get that raise. You didn't get that job. This thing over here didn't quite come through for you the way. So he wants to bring this back. Let's bring it back to some more review. The enemy seems to focus on changing my perception on, first off, the effectiveness of the seed. The first thing he's going to try and do is change or get your focus off of how effective your seed is. I've been putting the seed out there, but I don't think it's very effective. See, the reason that you keep sowing the seed in service and ministry, the reason you keep sowing the seed in study and prayer, the reason you keep sowing the seed in tithing and giving is because of what you are thinking is on the other side on the reward. But if he's able to challenge that, the effectiveness of the seed, he's going he's gonna to bring that down. Now think about this. Would God ever challenge the effectiveness of the seed? No, God loves seed sowers. He loves it. Here's the second one. The value of the seed. I mean, in order for seed to be seed, you've got to take it and throw it away. It's got to be cast away into the ground so that it can grow. But it's got to go away from you. That's seed. So he's saying, hang on a minute. That seed that you're throwing out, that's got some value to it. You maybe not throw as much out as you have been. Let's hold some back. Let's, let's keep some of that. See, that seed that you're throwing out there, it's value. There's, a, there's some value on that. Here's the next one. The rate of the return. The enemy is going to try and get you to focus on the effectiveness of the seed, the value of the seed, and the rate of the return. Any one of them. Because if he can get you to reconsider, after further review, if he can get you to reconsider... He can get you to stop sowing the seed. And if you stop sowing the seed, you're disobeying God. You're going to become selfish. Luke chapter 18, verse 15. Let's read that one. Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But when Jesus called them to him, he said, and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now, why do the disciples do this? All little children go over to Jesus. I mean, they're not coming to them for ministry. They're going to Jesus. They're not coming over to, to where they are. They're going over to Jesus. They're someplace else. They come over to where the kids are to try and stop them. 
Hey, hey, hey. Don't be taking up the master's time here. The master's important. Uh, y'all need to go away. We need to protect Jesus. Getting ready for a big campaign. Uh, this is our time with Jesus. This is not your time. This is our time. We get some time with him too. Whatever it is, they're protecting something. Something that Jesus doesn't consider to be valuable. He says, no, quit it. Let them come. Let them come along. This is good. I want the little kids to come my way. But they're trying to stop them. Well, let's take a look at, put this in your outline for you. Here's the other reason. Someone else might get what I deserve. You see, if we fall into that thinking, devil can, that's a that shot the devil gives us to try and push us into the ditch on this side of the road. The selfish side. Those little kids, they're, they're getting Jesus' attention. Instead of you guys. You've been out here taking care of the crowd, dealing with the people, and now the meeting's coming to a close, and we need to get these people home so we can have some time with Jesus. And here come these little kids. Doing little kid stuff. I don't like little kid stuff. It's not important. It's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal, isn't it? And and Jesus didn't like it. Because sometimes we... Uh, I mean, you go over to Walmart and um, you look at the little kids running around the store there. And you may get the idea with some of those little kids. I don't want to spend any time with those kids. <laughs> Keep those kids away from me. Because some of them are just unruly. You go into some of the schools in America and you look at what the kids are doing. So they say, Keep me away from those kids. I don't want to be anywhere near those kids. Kids are rambunctious. They're loud. They're demanding. I don't like that. But then... You have kids of your own. Or even better, grandkids. <laughs> and those little grandkids come running up to you. And I'll tell you what, the world stops. I don't care what I, I don't care what you want. <laughs> Grandson, my granddaughter's here. And we're gonna we're gonna talk with them. You can just you can just wait. That's important. What kind of things are they going to talk about? Well, they may talk about something they colored. Even better, something they colored for you. See, it changes the value of the, of the thing. See, Jesus saw these little kids coming. They weren't grandkids. They weren't his kids. But they were little kids. And they knew how the father looked at those kids and he says, oh, no, no, don't you, don't you stop them from coming to me. They need to come. And he took some time to minister to those kids. What are some of the things that we change our mind on after further review here? Recognition. How many times have we said or you heard from people, I don't need any recognition for this. I just want to do this for God. Don't tell anybody that I'm doing this. I just want to do this for God. And you find out later on that they're disappointed because no one ever said, hey, thanks for that. Because they apparently wanted some recognition. Sometimes when we see other people getting the recognition we think we deserve, the enemy comes in and he begins to say, you should be getting that recognition. Why are they getting that recognition? You did more than they did. You should be getting some of that recognition. And so it gets us to reconsider. And so before we were going down the middle of the road just fine, and all of a sudden we got hit with this thing, you should be getting the recognition for what you're doing. Nobody appreciates you. And it tries to push us into an area of being selfish. 
don't necessarily want didn't necessarily want that in the beginning but all of a sudden we have gone through some further review and decided I do want some recognition rewards we get a reward and all of a sudden wait a minute wait a minute that's not enough of a reward remember the parable that Jesus told all the workers that came took the ones at the beginning of the day hired them you'll get a Daenerys for your for your labors and they agreed to it and they went on off and then a few hours later some more and a few hours later some more and a few hours later some more till the last group had just worked an hour and he started with them gave each one of them a Daenerys and so the first group that came up said oh he'll give us more because we worked longer and he gave them the same amount that he agreed to and they got upset because you see they revisited this they reevaluated and decided hey we worked longer than all those folks we should get more but they agreed to work for Daenerys and that's what they received and that's what Jesus said to them put this in your outline I may not mind giving up what is needed but begin to question the value of what is returned begin to question the value of what is returned just like if you took a new job and you were excited they said this is the job this is how much we're going to pay you and you were excited they're going to pay you that much money to work at that job but then as you got in there you found out hmm look at these other people they're getting paid more money than I am I'm working harder than they are and you begin to reevaluate what you had agreed to Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man, or the Son of Man am? So they said, Surely, uh, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he returned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, we'll find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the, in the glory of, the, of his Father with his angels. And then he will reward each according to his works. Or surely I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. There's a whole lot we can get into in that. Mostly I want you to focus on this. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Peter had gone from a place of being very spiritual. You are the Christ to a place. Don't talk like this. Jesus says you're not mindful of the things of God. We can go very easily from being mindful of the things of God to not being mindful of the things of God. The enemy is very good at knocking us off. Pushing us in one ditch or the other. But if we listen to the Spirit of God down the inside of us, He'll rebuke us, pull us back, get us going in the right direction. Because there's a couple of views we can have. There's a selfish view. The selfish view is what I lose when I give. That's a selfish view. If, you're, if God says, I want you to give this, I want you to do this, I want you to sow this, my first thought is what I will lose. That means I'm on the selfish side. The God view is 
What will you gain when you give? That's the middle of the road. If you want to know if I'm in the middle of the road, when God says, I want you to do this, my first thought is, oh, glory to God. He has called on me to give this service, to give this money, to give this, whatever it is. What does he have in mind for me to gain? Selfish view. What will I lose when I give? God's view. What will you gain when you give? Pull up on the, the screen there. For some reason, I had taken it off my screen here. John 2, 20, 25. This is what our view should be. Whatever he says to you, do it. That's the view we're supposed to be having. But the enemy does not want you to have that view. The enemy wants you to have the view that you question whatever it is that he says to do. Don't ever question what he says to do. The Word of God does tell us, test the spirits to make sure they be of God. But once you know it's of God, then you do it. Now understand the enemy will come along as other spirits. There are, there are many other spirits that they can present themselves as and pass themselves off as being of God. And whole, uh, people have, have missed it. I've heard people that were, uh, felt like they were following after the call of God, start a church here, do this particular ministry here, go after and do this thing over here. Brother Hagin would tell us of a number of people that would come up to him and, and had done this. And they went out there and they, they did it, but the Spirit of God didn't tell them to do that. It was another spirit. They didn't, they didn't test it. They thought they were obeying. Well, they weren't because they didn't test the spirits to find out what the, whether it was God or not. You've got to make sure that it's God because just because you think it's God and you do it doesn't mean it is God or that He will honor it. But once you know it's God, then whatever He says, you do it. Whatever He says, you just go out there and you do it. But here's the side of the road the enemy's going to try, one of the side of the roads the enemy's going to try and get you off on and that's the selfish side. To be thinking about what I'm giving up. What I've sacrificed. Something about me in this whole thing. And I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to sacrifice this anymore. And if he can get you onto the selfish side, he gets you off in the ditch on that side. You're no longer walking in love. And you won't see the return on that either. But this is what we need to do. Walk on the side of love. Pull up our scripture we gave out last time, if you would. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Let's read that. Love suffers long and is kind. Suffers long and is kind. Doesn't suffer short and is kind. It suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. If you are envious of something, you're not in love. Is that clear? Love does not parade itself. It's not looking for recognition. As soon as you get to a place where I need to have recognition for what it is I've done, what happens? I got pulled out of love. It's not puffed up. It doesn't think itself to be all that. The enemy is going to try and make you think of yourself more highly than you ought. Now you go on the other side too. And you think of yourself as nothing. That's wrong too. Let's go on to the next verse. Does not behave rudely. Now you might think, well, that's before customer service was invented. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. The Word of God is timeless. It does not behave rudely. I don't care how rudely people treat you. That doesn't just mean you have to be a doormat. There's sometimes you just say to people, um, Look, I don't think that we're, we're getting anywhere on this. I'm just going to hang up and maybe call back later on. Um, just don't, but don't behave rudely. If you're with a, in a restaurant and you're not getting the best of service, don't behave rudely. That's what it says. Don't do it. If um, a company that you hire to do certain things doesn't perform, don't behave rudely. That's what it says. It does not seek its own. It's not selfish. It's not provoked. How many of you have been provoked? Don't raise your hand. 
But how many have been provoked? People come along, some people can provoke you more than others. That means you're not walking in love in those situations. So find a way to walk in love in those situations. Your life will be better. Thinks no evil. Man, I'll tell you what. Thinks no evil? How many times have you seen somebody doing something and you thought evil without, I know why they're doing that. I know why they're doing that. They're trying to get, mm-hmm, they're trying to, to, to get a certain thing. Do a, I, I only really have one radio show that I like to listen to. And um, it's Rush Limbaugh. You all know that. I talked about that before. And the, the guy is just a very generous guy. He's always giving away iPhones. He likes iPhones. If he gave me one, I'd, I'd, I'd take it and give it to somebody who likes iPhones. I wouldn't become an iPhone user, but he loves iPhones. He thinks they're the best thing in the world. We would have a debate on that, but no, uh, n- no, no problem there. Just, just love giving that away. He has a, he writes children's books. I don't know if any of you know that. He writes children's books to teach them history. And so sometimes people call up the show and they want to engage him in an iPhone conversation because a lot of times when people do that, he says, well, it just sounds like you need a new phone. Here you go. And so the one person that was calling this, this week, they called up and they were talking about that. And he says, now, I want you to tell you something. Everybody in America is thinking right now, don't do it. They're thinking, don't give them a, a phone because, um, you know, because people call in, start talking about the problems with their phone, hoping that he'll say, hey, here's a brand new one and, uh, and then give them that. But you see, love thinks no evil. Don't think evil of people. Uh, the reason that they're calling and saying that is because that's, don't do it. Don't think evil of people. You can get in that habit. You can also get in the habit of thinking evil all the time. That whenever some, anybody does something good, whenever everybody gives you a compliment, whenever everybody just is nice, you begin to think evil. Why are they doing that? There must be a reason. There must be something that they're, that they're up to. And you'll lose all the joy in it. You know, if every time my granddaughter drew me a picture and brought it up to me and um, handed it to me, and I'm thinking, all right, what do you want? I would probably not get as many pictures. But she has no ulterior motive. She just wanted to draw a picture. And um, just at random, on a regular basis, and I save them. But I don't think evil. Oh, they're doing it for, for an evil reason. Don't think that about people what it says. Go to verse 6. Does not rejoice in iniquity. When you see bad stuff happen to people, you don't say, oh, good, they got their due. So, when Dan Rather lost his job because of lies he was caught in, I cannot rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. We can rejoice when the truth wins out. When the truth comes out. Glory to God, there's the truth. And the truth is coming out. We rejoice in that. Go on to the next verse. Bears all things. I just can't bear it anymore. How many times? Don't raise your hand. How many times have you said that? What's it say right there? It bears all things. Believes all things. Believes all things, folks. It keeps continually believing. Hopes all things. Endures all things. That's what love does. Let me just read through it real quick. Hopefully you've been reading it yourself this week. But that's what it's, that's what love is. That's the mark. That's where, that's the center of the road. That's where we need to be. Don't get on the ditch on the, on the selfish side. We'll talk some about the other side of the road. We're talking about selfish, selfish side of the road right now. Would y'all stand up with me? Father God, you have set a high bar by our standards, by what we can see. But truly, when we walk in the Spirit, when we walk in the realm of the Spirit, we don't find it difficult because it's in us. It's just something we do. It's just who we are. We don't have to become something different. We don't have to force out a different kind of reaction. We just do what is in us. So, Father, it truly is not that difficult to do. But when we try and mimic the walk of love, it is very difficult. It can be very hard to live something 
that doesn't come from the inside. But Father, you have put the love of God down on the inside of us and it is you who helps to bring that out. I thank you, Father, for it. Thank you that you are drawing out the love of God that is on the inside of us. And we are walking in love. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last, last Sunday we talked about that when you, when you walk in these things, that they, some of the things that have held on to you will fall off. Sickness and disease. Certain mentalities. These things can fall off. We had a wonderful time of worship today. We don't need to have a time of worship or ministry now because that was there for the Spirit of God was present then. And you can step in and, and walk in that. This is what God wants for us. You see, if you don't walk in the things of love, then the wrong stuff can latch hold. Pains, sickness, disease, things like this can get hold of us. Latch hold and not let go. But oh, glory to God, you walk in love. Some of these things that have held on to you for years will fall off. Here this morning, some of you may have had some things just fall off of you. If so, hope you write it down. Let us know. Maybe some of you don't know just yet what had done, what had gone on. Glory to God. I got two, two up here. I don't know if there's any, any more. My mom said, I am very thankful to our Father God for the beautiful moving day I had and for all the wonderful brothers and sisters that not only moved all my things but also helped unpack my stuff in the new apartment. Many thanks for all they have done. I feel very blessed. Our Lord has orchestrated everything well since the sale of my house. Glory to God. It was a good day. And uh, what was it, about three hours? I think most of it was done in about three hours. We had had all that going on and maybe a little bit more than that. But uh, wonderful Wonderful day. Thanks all for able, who were able to come on out for that. Candy, I uh, asked for prayer for her cousin, uh, Sam. He had a stroke. He's in a nursing home. But, Lord, God, sounds like he has some good children there that are there to, to minister to him and to bless him. But, uh, now, where, where does he live at? Jersey. He lives in Jersey. All right. Father God, we just, uh, but just some other ones. I know Ray and Angela are home. They're having, they were having trouble breathing. That was, uh, that's that's the I didn't talk to them I just got that from from Brother Keith he was passing that on for me um, uh, Jim is was having some more pain he'd gone out to to eat with his wife and had to come back a lot of pain uh, came into his body but uh, let's just pray for these folks Father we thank you for the glory of God that we get to be participants in we thank you for the glory of God we experienced here today in in our lives and all around us. Father, we thank you for the healing that you provide for us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the way that you minister to Jim, that all the words of God that you have put down on the inside of him rise up. And Father, he receives what it is that he believes for. We thank you for it. We thank you for Cousin Sam, for healing in his body. That ministry would come to him, the people that are around, about the life of God. And about the healer, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for Ray and Angela. And we thank you that as they believe, so are they receiving. That breathing becomes restored. And it's not the difficult that it is, that it is today. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Um, do we have anything more to pass on about the... Uh, the table there? Okay. Uh, we got a lot of response from you folks uh, last week. You all really enjoyed that video. Uh, I, I thought that was just a great video showing what, uh, what happens with these kids when they receive the shoe boxes. But that's what you're, you're participating in. Those are the things that we put into the shoe boxes. If you go into the back, you will see what we have on hand. So if we have a whole lot of pencils, don't go out and buy more pencils. Look at what it is that we uh, are, are missing or are low on. And uh, you can go ahead and get those things. If you need any help for that, my daughter's back there. My wife's back there. They can give you some, some help on those things, what's going on. Wednesday, we're going to be, I'm not sure how many we're talking about. we got four guys in this next verse. And uh, we may take on all four. We may take on part of it. But anyway, we'll let you know more of that on, on Wednesday. 
that will come up. Ladies, uh, uh, breakfast is going on. I uh, I had it down from 10 o'clock on the calendar, but uh, is it 9 o'clock or is it 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock. The ladies' breakfast? It is 10 o'clock. Okay. So we are doing 10 o'clock on it. Um, so be here at 10 o'clock. Bring a breakfast item. That's going to go on Saturday over there in the children's church. We'll be having that, that go on. Anything else that anyone can think of?